What are the differences between ketosis and keto adaptation? How does eating the keto diet and doing intermittent fasting affect this? This is gonna be the topic of this Body Mind Empowerment podcast and it's another one of those live Q&A sessions that I had on my YouTube channel. So instead of just keeping it there on video, I decided to put it on audio as well because it's a good listen. Do you want to know what it is? Body Mind Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Okay, so keto adaptation and fasting. So I'm going to basically start by talking that, telling you about what is keto adaptation. Uh, you, you probably heard a ton about what is ketosis, what is the keto diet, and you also heard what what is keto adaptation. Uh, but uh, in my opinion, there is, well, there is like a significant difference between being in ketosis uh, and also like eating a keto diet as well as being keto adapted. Uh, and uh, the term keto adaptation can also uh, overlap with, with the, basically the same as fat adaptation. And it quite definitely simply means that uh, you're using fat and ketones as a primary fuel source or you're able to convert uh, fat acids into ketones without running into any energy, you know, def- deficiencies or deficits, uh, or kind of bonking, so to say, physically while doing exercise. You can simply tap into your fat burning, and you can tap into the adipose tissue quite easily without having to go through some sort of a refeed during the exercise period or such. And when you can kind of quantify the state of nutritional ketosis or the state of fasting ketosis with like measuring your blood ketones or measuring your breath ketones and such, then uh, the amount of keto adaptation cannot be measured that that specifically. And it's not like a specific thing. It's more of like a matter of degree. It's everyone is keto adapted to a certain extent. Even people who are eating a bunch of carbs and such, they are still fat adapted, but their fat adaptation is somewhat limited. And uh, their fat adaptation is lower than than someone who has eaten uh, high, high, high fat, uh, low carb diet for a more, more longer period of time. And uh, uh, they've also actually done some studies, and if you can uh, recall, one of the biggest study on these keto-adapted athletes by Jeff Wallach and Stephen Finney a few years ago called the FASTER study, then they did show that those athletes who ate the low-carb keto diet for like six months or so, they showed significantly increased uh, rates of fat oxidation during exercise. So they were basically burning more fat instead of glucose uh, compared to conventional athletes. So they didn't like necessarily burn their body fat, but the idea of burning fat is uh, showing of what kind of metabolic processes are going through in the Krebs cycle when you're doing physical exercise, so to say. Like there are different pathways of producing energy and producing ATP. Uh, the the main one when you're doing, uh, when you're eating like, when you're carb adapted, let's say, when you're not keto adapted, then the main pathway is uh, glycolysis or where you're converting carbohydrates and glucose into uh, pyruvate and that's going to give you ATP. Uh, but uh, the opposite to that is beta oxidation, which is basically converting fatty acids into ketones and using them for energy instead. So uh, that's the different side of the coin, so to say. And when you are becoming more, increasingly more keto adapted, then uh, you will 
you will be able to sustain physical exercise at higher rates of intensity with more beta oxidation, so to say. So there's the crossover effect that uh, describes fuel utilization during exercise. You know, when you're when you're not when you're not doing anything at that high intensity, you're like walking only, you're doing some daily chores, you're walking the dog, then you are already burning primarily fat because your body prefers to burn fat at low intensities because your body can store inf almost like infinite amounts of fat in the adipose tissue and there's like so many calories for it to store and uh, it's basically expandable. Versus glycogen is somewhat limited. You can only store a limited amount of glycogen, only like 2000 calories worth of glycogen in your muscle glycogen stores and liver glycogen stores. So the idea is that uh, your body wants to spare glycogen for only high intensity exercise when you are lifting weights, when you're sprinting or, you know, jump, jumping up and down, whatever it is. And when you're doing like easy exercise, low intensity, you're burning fat, high intensity, you're burning glycogen. And the crossover effect occurs usually around 65% uh, of your VO2 max. That's the textbooks. Uh, but that's what textbooks usually say that in somewhere in the 65% VO2 max mark, when you're starting to breathe through your nose or your mouth, you can't maintain nasal breathing anymore. You're starting to gasp for air. That's the point where you convert over into glycolysis and you're, you're shifting into the glycogen burning state, so to say, and you're stopping, uh, you're starting to burn less uh, fat. But on, if you are becoming keto adapted, then you can increase the ceiling, so to say, where the crossover effect occurs. And even in the faster study that I just mentioned, in that study, those athletes, they were able to still maintain beta oxidation at intensities of of uh, about 80% and such. And, you know, they were burning almost like 90% all fat uh, in between, like 70% and 80% of their VO2 max. So it comes to show that uh, with keto adaptation, your body becomes increasingly more uh prefer it, it it wants to prefer more fat even at higher intensities uh, with proper keto adaptation and uh, with uh, kind of teaching the body to use the fatty acids as a fuel source instead of relying on glucose all the time and that's the idea of keto adaptation that uh, the more you kind of do let's say fasting the more you eat keto the longer you do it the more you exercise as well exercise is also a critical component of becoming more fat adapted uh, then uh, that conditions the body to you know learn how to use fatty acids and beta and uh, and ketones at higher intensities even and uh, you can also see the same kind of principle in uh, the amount of of uh, how well you can do of how well you feel during fasting, so to say, how well you feel without having eaten anything. Uh, with proper keto adaptation, you shouldn't get hungry, like virtually ever, <laughs> because you're carrying around, you know, thousands and thousands of calories with you all the time. And I myself, yeah, like I don't really experience any real hunger, uh, even when I'm not eating for several days. And the reason is because I'm tapping into, you know, my own body fat stores without having to rely on glucose and uh, without having to rely on glycogen. And because I, even when I'm doing like these longer three-day fasts, then I'm not like sprinting all out all the time. Like I'm maintaining like very low intensities of physical activity. And I'm walking around. Maybe I do some like resistance band workouts or something like that, but it's not going to be too taxing, so to say. I'm able to sustain the fat burning state quite easily without without kind of running out of energy or bonking uh, physically. So that's why... 
uh, keto adaptation will help you to fast longer and it's gonna make like the daily intermittent fasting very easy easy as well like i don't i don't remember a day where i felt hypoglycemic or felt tired because of not having eaten in like 20 hours or such i can usually i do eat only like uh, at minimum i at minimum i break my fast at 20 hours or such and uh and, and the, on average i may you I may fast for yeah like 20 to 22 hours every day so it's like I'm not ever I don't ever feel tired or ever feel that is the need to eat and the reason is because I'm quite keto adapted so to say I'm I'm uh, tapping into my body fat storage and when it comes to let's say uh, eating keto and becoming keto adapted then um, you definitely need to kind of go through the short period of uh, eating a somewhat low-carb uh, keto diet to kind of build up these fat-burning pathways in, in, inside your mitochondria and, and such and inside your metabolism so that uh, you would, you know, gain the reference experience. Uh, but after a while, uh, if you've done this for, let's say, several weeks, they say that, you know, I've, I've seen some uh, results that it takes at least like six weeks of low-carb keto to kind of show the first signs of proper keto adaptation and up to like six months is the kind of uh you know uh, gold point so to say uh, but yeah after you kind of go through the initial period of keto adaptation then you don't necessarily need to be eating that strict keto all the time you know because the mitochondria become more efficient at uh, using fats and ketones uh, for energy and it's not like you have to count all the carbs and you have to maintain 0.5 millimoles and above blood ketones to be, to maintain keto adaptation after that you will uh, have like a bigger buffer zone where you can get away with things. You can have like more cyclical keto uh, refeeds. You can do more targeted keto. You can, uh, on, on some days, you can even eat like higher carbs and be back in ketosis the next day. And you will also like feel feel uh, no difference uh, if you have like some gluten or whatever it is. Like the, it's it goes back to the kind of the three stages of the keto diet that I've mentioned uh, before. First, you get into ketosis and uh, by by eating a somewhat low-carb keto diet. Secondly, you become keto-adapted. You uh, continuously eat uh, low-carb keto, but you also like implement exercise, fasting, fasting, and different types of uh, fat-burning uh, activities. And thirdly, lastly, you achieve this metabolic flexibility, which incorporates both fats and carbs at different times, as as well as like different different quantities like you can definitely lose your keto adaptation if you overdo it like if you start eating carbs for like five days in a row high carbs and high eating frequency then you will definitely get kicked out of ketosis but you will also lose your keto adaptation but if you do it like very quite briefly you do it only once a day like uh, you have like a carb refeed or you do like carb backloading whatever it is then uh, you will maintain your keto adaptation and you won't uh, kind of lose it, so to say, because the body doesn't want to kind of shift into different, uh, like new, it was. It doesn't want to uh, cause any random fluctuations so fast. So that's the idea of keto adaptation and fasting. If you're doing fasting, like daily interpreter fasting and daily time-restricted feeding, then you will already, you're, you're going to be burning through your liver glycogen with the fast, you will maintain very higher levels of insulin sensitivity and you will also be burning fat during the fasting period and if you 
combine it with exercise, then you will definitely be running primarily on this uh, fat burning engine, so to say, and you will be burning ketones as a primary fuel source. And you can also get away with like eating carbs if you're doing like somewhat OMAD type of schedule. And uh, as long as you don't like eat several hundred grams of carbs or something or having processed sugar and that is going to give you like fatty liver or, or such so yeah you can you can get away with things with intermittent fasting because it's it's like uh, the biggest defi- energy deficit that you can create uh, while eating while or while not eating so to say your when you're fasting then your body is forced to kind of search for energy from its endogenous sources and uh, if you keep your liver glycogen lower uh, then you will be able to you know go into ketosis faster you will also be able to trigger autophagy faster as well because your energy your energy stores are more depleted and the body will then convert over into burning its energy stores faster as well so that's my talk for this stream at the moment so keto adaptation and fasting uh, you don't necessarily need to be eating or let's say I'm going to cover it all over again, like you need to get into ketosis and eat a keto diet for a certain period of time to become keto adapted, to kind of build these fat burning uh, pathways into your metabolism. After that, you will be having much greater freedom, so to say, you can get away with things a little bit and it's healthier to have this metabolic flexibility to uh, have these periods of high carb as well as uh, low carb, but I still recommend that in majority of time you still want to be eating like a low carb version of the diet and then use carbs only as a like performance fuel. After you can achieve this metabolic flexibility, then you will simply, you know, <laughs> juggle around in your daily routine, so to say, what works for your uh, kind of life. If you're fasting less, if your fasting window is uh, s- uh, is uh, smaller you're eating more frequently like uh, then that in then in that case you will have let's say less freedom uh, because you're not fasting that long if you're fasting for longer then you will have like a bigger buffer zone with getting away with things like uh, getting away with uh, you know a slightly more carbs and such but it's uh, goes back to again like what's your purpose or what's your goals with uh, with fasting and such all right, we have bunch. I'm gonna ask some ask a bunch of questions as well. Mm, okay, we have a super jet from Alan Williamson. Keep up the good work. I'm doing zero carb and OMAD. The other day I had ice cream in the evening. The next day I was hungry most of the day. WGF? <laughs> Carbs really make a person hungry. Uh, okay, yeah, like uh, it is. It is true that let's say you will. If you if you overdo the carbs, then you will definitely feel uh, somewhat different the next day. Uh, you may feel you may get hungrier faster. You may get somewhat uh, dizzier just because of being kicked out of ketosis. Uh, but that's an example of yeah, you're not inherently gonna lose your keto adaptation either like uh you will be you will you the reason you felt hungry and such was probably due to getting kicked out of ketosis but i would imagine if you're eating that omad then you would have even higher levels of ketones uh, by the end of the evening so to say or you would have it at least uh, by the next day already and uh, in that case you will have less hunger again so the ketones or the being it 
or the aspect of being in ketosis is uh, appetite suppressing and uh, gives you more more mental clarity but at the same time you wouldn't have probably lost the keto adaptation by just having one cheat cheat meal so to say because um, you, you get back into it faster if if you it's healthier to kind of get back into ketosis faster if you're able to still produce ketones by the next day then it's a sign of like a better metabolic flexibility versus someone who isn't metabolically flexible then they will definitely you know go f experience more negative side effects like uh, they may have like hypoglycemia the next day they will they may have additional sugar cravings and such uh, or they will you know not be able to get into ketosis by let's say three to five days or something that's going to take a longer time for them and uh, one of the reasons why people may lack metabolic flexibility uh, first of all it has to do with yeah not not incorporating any strategic carb refeeds uh, which which have to be taken in a lot of context so to say not everyone is suitable for having carb refeeds and not everyone needs them but uh, having them so somewhat more often will condition the body to also you know swap back and forth with ketosis and secondly you can also increase uh, metabolic flexibility by definitely having to or like doing exercise and especially like resistance training that will inherently make you more insulin sensitive and it will definitely make you uh, be able to burn those carbs for fuel with no issues as well so the reason why it takes so long what the reason why it takes such a long time for people to get into ketosis has to do with that uh, they may not be exercising at the right way they, they may, may be too sedentary and like physical physically active people who work out consistently they they will be definitely uh, be able to go into ketosis faster and they will be able to eat more carbs with no worries as well because it's uh, such a powerful tool so to say you know combining fasting with exercise as well as uh, kind of timing timing your food then that's like the best way of increasing your first of all increasing your keto adaptation but also increasing uh, metabolic flexibility so yeah those things are the things you would want to do anyway like on whatever diet you're doing you want to be exercising anyway and you want to be fasting as well like uh, what whatever type of diet you're doing it's it's suitable for every diet and uh, yeah it's it goes beyond just nutrition it has many other physiological benefits all right let's grab another question there's a bunch of them here uh, is bulletproof coffee good to reduce carbs excitement intake throughout the day okay so maybe you're asking like if you if you're getting the urge and cravings to eat some carbs then can you use bulletproof coffee to blunt this urge so to say uh yeah it can uh, work it can definitely work um not necessarily because like coffee itself is like appetite suppressing as well as uh, like MCT oil or some fats from butter or coconut oil, those things, they will uh, help you to stave off hunger a little bit. Um, I wouldn't, I'm, not, I'm quite skeptical about how big of a role the increasing ketone bodies has, but it can definitely like, uh, kind of def it, it can definitely help to give the brain energy as well as, uh, you know, prevent any blood sugar issues so to say if you drink the coffee and you have the 
some fats in it and it can kind of help you to maintain stable blood sugar and one of the reasons why sometimes people crave something sweet has to do with like they want to bump up their blood sugar they're going semi-hypoglycemic and they want to increase their they want to give some some energy to the brain and the, the easiest way uh, or the most conventional way of feeding the brain is considered to be glucose uh, but uh, in most cases your body or your brain actually prefers ketones and it's going to run better on ketones your brain does need some glucose but not as much as people think and not all the time as either and of, of course there's also the the difference that uh, when you're taking the bulletproof coffee then you're also going to interrupt this uh, feeding frenzy or you're going to interrupt the habit loop that uh, you will kind of go through like if people if their initial urge to, to sugar cravings is to start eating chocolate and candy then that's like a quite quite bad habit loop in my opinion and if you kind of swap out you swap out the initial response of the wanting to eat chocolate with uh, simply making yourself a bulletproof coffee then it can help you to kind of get off the sugar or yeah go through some rehab <laughs> but ideally you wouldn't want to have anything uh, to kind of give yourself some sort of a feel good you know you you don't want to have any pickups uh, things that pick you up or give yourself energy throughout the day you want to be able to maintain you know you want to be able to maintain stable energy and you you want to be kind of achieve this freedom from any dependencies whether that be coffee or whether that be bulletproof coffee or whether that be a bar of chocolate or or whether that be i don't know some sort of uh you know artificial sweetener drink drink or some uh, bcas or whatever it is you want to achieve some sort of a freedom from them and you you don't you would you don't you shouldn't need them definitely right next question um how do you deplete liver glycogen faster uh, well, basically, liver liver glycogen gets depleted just by virtue of being there. <laughs> like uh, the the liver glycogen's role is to regulate blood sugar and maintain homeostasis, so to say. And uh, whenever your blood sugar begins to get lower, then uh, glucagon is going to start breaking down liver glycogen to keep your blood sugar stable. But eventually, after a while. Uh, it can, uh, let's say, about usually it takes about 16 to 18 hours or 20 hours to deplete the liver glycogen by doing nothing, by simply, you know, balancing your blood sugar and such. That's that's how long it's going to take to deplete liver glycogen by simply fasting or eating uh, zero carbs. But you can kind of speed up the process by exercising or doing low intensity activities like walking and uh, maybe yeah, do, doing daily chores and uh, such doing cardio maybe even like yoga or such that's going to deplete the liver glycogen as well because it will be used to mo used to kind of fuel the ex exercise activity as well as uh you know balance the blood sugar so yeah usually what i do is i go for a short walk every morning for like 10 to 20 minutes and uh, it's, it's going to be good to kind of offset the day kind of offset the fat burning for the day and to trigger more ketones and to deplete the glycogen faster so i would go into ketosis faster as well because of that like a short walk but yeah there are 
it's gonna depend again of how many how much liver glycogen there is if you if you haven't filled up your liver glycogen by eating like a low carb dinner the night before then it's not gonna take you that much time either you have like less you have less grubble to to grind through mm. when you burn your own when you burn your own body fat does it turn into ketones uh yeah like um, ketones are the byproduct of fatty acid metabolism and this process like I mentioned earlier is called beta oxidation so you can get you can get the fuel for beta oxidation from dietary fat whether that be like bulletproof coffee whether that be eggs or steak or nuts or whatever uh, but you can also convert your body fat into ketones so to say if you're if you're at an energy deficit you're consuming fewer calories than your body needs then uh your body will take the body fat and convert it into ketones, so to say. But if you're eating a bunch of fat, uh, like, yeah, you do drink that bulletproof coffee, but you overdo the fat, you may have like 1000 calories of fat from that, then uh, you're going to burn the butter, so to say. You're not going to burn the body fat. <laughs> you will tap into ketosis and you may be experiencing some burning of your body fat, by the end of the day, if you maintain an energy deficit, but at the end of the day, if if you overdo the butter in the coffee, then it's not going to make you burn f your own body fat, so to say. So uh, eating fat will increase the production of ketones and can put you into a ketogenic state of nutritional ketosis. But uh, to actually lose your body fat, to kind of convert your body fat into ketones, then you have to be still at an energy deficit and consume fewer calories and the idea is that eating a low-carb keto diet is simply making it easier you don't have that glycogen in front of you that you have to burn through in order to get access to the body fat you have like less like i said less <laughs> grubble in front of you or less of a wall and you feel you f you you will feel more stable energy as well if you're eating low-carb keto so to say if you're putting a butter in your coffee then mo in most cases you you won't feel hungry you know, until at least a few hours after that, and you can easily fast for longer. Uh, what do you think about doing lean meat carnivore diet to get protein, uh, lose my fat and keep and build muscle short term only? Uh, yeah, like uh, in, in the short term, it can uh, work a little bit. Uh, I would imagine that, of course, there is also the way of doing the protein-sparing modified fast, which means that you're only eating like lean, lean protein, like chicken breast with no fat, and uh, you eat like 1,000 calories of pure protein with zero carbs and uh, like very low fat. Uh, and usually people use, like fitness competitors use it to really lose a bunch of fat during the last stages of their diet. Is it going to be good? Uh, well, it can work in terms of losing some weight and such, but uh, the problem is that you will pr probably trigger quite a significant amount of uh, gluconeogenesis as well because of that. And uh, not gluconeogenesis from the protein itself, like you don't trigger protein from, or you don't trigger gluconeogenesis by eating too much protein, you trigger the gluconeogenesis because of getting kicked out of ketosis 
and still needing to provide the brain and body some glucose at an energy deficit. So to say, you're getting kicked out of ketosis, you're eating fewer calories, you're not getting enough carbs for the brain, and uh, that's going to trigger gluconeogenesis of converting that extra protein into glucose so that you would feed the brain. Versus on the other side, if you were to be able to sustain ketosis then the the demand for gluconeogenesis would also be not not there you wouldn't need the glucose because you will you're in ketosis and you're able to produce your energy from those ketone bodies so in the example of the protein sparing modified fast then the much efficient and better or healthier way of losing that body fat would also be to simply fast do like a strict water fast for uh, either like 24 hours or like 48 hours or 30, 36 hours or 72 hours, whatever it is, because you will be burning exclusively your body fat instead of muscle. You will probably lose slightly more muscle with the protein-sparing modified fast than if you were to be fasting for like three days. Uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, in the example of the protein-sparing modified fast, then you would, you would probably be able to kind of lift more so to say if you're still exercising while eating that protein then uh, you can kind of keep the muscle a little bit as well but uh, in my opinion the healthier way or the easier way is also to simply fast go for like a slightly longer fast uh, because like eating just protein and getting kicked out of ketosis is gonna simply yeah cause some really huge hunger cravings, so to say, and uh, you're not going to feel that satiated from eating like just white chicken breast with no nothing attached. But you said that you're going trying to do like a lean carnivore diet. So in the ex- if you were to be eating, let's say, slightly more lean protein from red meat that has a little bit of more extra fat, like a steak or like beef steak that has a little bit of marbling on it, and such then uh, you will probably let's say you will probably have slightly more ketones and you will probably go into ketosis faster as well because there's slightly more fat and you don't necessarily need to be eating like a bunch of extra protein Uh, you can safely maintain a somewhat of a larger caloric deficit on a carnivore diet let's say you eat only uh, 900 calories of a carnivore diet with slightly less protein but a bit more higher fats then uh, you will probably you will maintain ketosis as well as you will burn more fat instead of uh, muscle so to say so in the example of the carnivore diet that would be safer a little bit than going like 100% pure protein and zero carbs and zero fat so in that case doing let's say a zero carb uh, low fat moderate protein keto protein sparing modified fast that will be safer like the macros on the protein sparing modified fast isn't optimal because you're going to get kicked out of ketosis and you're going to potentially lose more muscle versus if you were to be eating simply less calories uh, but you still get adequate amount of fats like moderate amount of fats as well as moderate amounts of protein then you will be safer on a like a keto 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 style protein sparing modified fast if that makes sense because you can you can really 
drop your fat intake on the keto diet quite significantly without having to worry about any muscle loss or any, any anything like that because you're going to be tapping into your body fat. Like the fat you don't get your from your food, that fat will be coming from your body fat on keto as long as you're in ketosis. If you're having a huge caloric deficit while being out of ketosis, then you're going to jeopardize more muscle because you don't have the protein-sparing effects of ketones. So the goal of any diet would be, or the healthier way of doing any diet is to tap into ketosis faster. And you can, yeah, on a keto diet, you can yeah, really lower your fat intake. Uh, let's say you can you can eat maybe like, let's, on, on gener in general, most people would eat about 60 to 80% fat on keto. If you're trying to lose body fat, then you can drop the fat to less than 50% and have it like 40 40% fat or like 40 to 50% fat and in a short term that can be really good to drop some body fat because that 40 to 50% fat will probably lower your daily caloric intake by at least 500 to 700 calories and such so uh, doing it for let's say a week or not maybe not a week but like 5 days uh, and then having a higher refeed a bit then that can be really good to kind of lose a bunch of fat quite fast we have another super chat thank you uh see my watch your videos and podcasts every day keep up the good work <laughs> well i'm not planning on stopping so uh glad glad that you find some value from it and yeah you can expect more more content coming and i'm actually at the moment i've finished off most of the kind of other events for this year uh, that have been uh, keeping me somewhat scheduled uh, and I'm going to be primarily focusing on, yeah, uh, starting to promote my upcoming book, which will be published probably in uh, January somewhere, somewhere around there. And the uh, the, the topic of the book is going to be about intermittent fasting as well as autophagy of how do you kind of achieve the best of both worlds by promoting your longevity as well as muscle performance with intermittent fasting and uh resistance training and such so yeah it's it's all it's it's already finished and i actually have uh put on like a, a, a separate meal plan plus workout routine of that protocol uh, on my website and uh, it's it's the metabolic autophagy program but the book itself will be published later so to say and it won't be that specific the book will teach you all the principles and it will teach you how to do it and it will give you like a blueprint, a generic overview of what kind of a schedule you can follow. But it won't have like specific amounts of eat this and that at that time and such. That will be covered in the in the uh, in the program that are that is going to be separate from the book. But you can in the meanwhile you can also get my free uh, free ebook, the full guide to intermittent fasting. It's like a shorter ebook about all of the ways or all of the kind of uh, you know questions that you may come across when doing fa fasting intermittent fasting and how to start it easily so it covers like supplements electrolytes different schedules exercise and uh, also like yeah like uh, some additional trivia so it's the link is actually in the description so it's free just an ebook for people to check out all right another super chat thanks a bunch for answering my question seem i understand well much appreciated awesome that's good uh, let's take another question. Uh, 
Seem, do you agree that we should try to get natural whole foods based fats from clean grass fed meat sources and fish and nuts rather than adding on liquid oil fats to lower inflammation risk? Uh, uh, yeah, I actually do agree that uh, you shouldn't be focusing on like adding additional sources of fat if you don't need it, so to say, because fat is fat and uh, it's a dense source of calories. It has a bunch of calories and uh, it may have calories that you don't need and uh, in most cases you don't need to be consuming excess amounts of fats because you won't be gaining like any benefit from it like like higher ketones themselves aren't going to tell you that you're metabolically healthier and higher ketones aren't going to mean that you're going to burn more fat instead you have to focus on uh, eating within the keto template so to say of uh, eating low carb and having uh, fattier chunks of protein from the meat and fish, like you said, that's that's going to already give you a, quite a significant source of calories from the fats. Like if you were to be eating a bunch of these fattier chunks of meat like steak or pork belly or pork ribs or eggs and salmon and such, then you're already getting, uh, in most cases, you're going to get like 60% of your calories from fat or even like 50, yeah, 50 to 60% of your calories coming from fat, the rest is going to come from uh, proteins and carbs. So uh, you, you, in that case, you don't necessarily need to add like extra butter into your coffee or extra, extra butter on the steak. If the steak is leaner and you want to, you know, bump up your calories, then yeah, you, sh you can add, add the butter, but butter itself isn't like inherently going to um, give you superpowers or make you healthier, so to say more the the steak would be you know more nutrient dense and it will be uh, lower in calories as well like in my opinion like uh, the goal of any diet is to eat eat uh, more nutrient dense foods from fewer calories that promote higher satiety so to say like steak itself is already going to be higher higher high in satiety as well versus a butter you don't really feel that satiated from eating from eating just butter or or eating just uh, a donut <laughs> the donut is low in nutrients it's high in calories and it's low in satiety that's like a worse combo <laughs> you, you don't get the protein that would satiate you or or maintain your muscle you get a bunch of extra calories that are simply making you fat and not helping you to build muscle and you get the low satiety which will enforce the potential of you're going to eat the entire box of donuts <laughs> and you won't be able to fast or you won't be able to build muscle or such so yeah like uh, getting less calories from uh, more nutrient dense foods that promote higher satiety that's a good good rule of thumb okay next question how do you com compare keto versus lost opportunity for benefits of fruit and vegetables well, uh, that's that's a matter of uh, what kind what what kind of a lost opportunity are you talking about? Because uh, fruits and most vegetables they don't necessarily have that much of a benefit as people think. Like when you look at an apple, then the only benefit you get from apple may be that you may increase your hydration from the structured water of the fruit. Uh, you may get a little bit of ursolic acid from the skin of the apple, which can be beneficial for for uh, kind of boosting some uh, some longevity pathways. 
but uh, other than that, you may also get a little bit of fiber that can help you to maybe, you know, promote some digestion, but that the fiber is very small compared to the amount of fructose and sugar that the apple has. So the negative side effects of eating that apple uh, kind of outweigh the positive benefits. Like it has a bunch of fructose, which will inc- which will fill up your liver glycogen and that will slow down autophagy, that will slow down ketosis. And uh, also it can promote, if you consume excess amounts of fructose, then that can be kind of be quite bad for the liver as well. So in my opinion, most fr- fruit can have some benefit and fruit can have its place, but uh, I don't think it should be like a staple. You don't need to be eating a bunch of fruit every day to get the micronutrients or to get the enzymes because the amount of enzymes is quite low compared to the amount of uh, compared to the amount of nutrients you get from other keto foods, so to say that to get all of these to get the same amount of uh, let's say to get the same amount of micronutrients from a thing like liver or some some grass-fed steak you would be have to be eating too much fruit so to say to get the same amount of micronutrients you would have to be eating uh, excessive amounts of fruit and it's not going to be simply worth it you may have like a few servings here and there every once in a while it's not going to kill you but uh, it I don't think it should be like a staple uh, but there are also some other vegetables that are also and uh, not that inherently, you know, good as people think. Uh, of course, yeah, like uh, I, th- I do think that things like uh, cruciferous vegetables and such can should be added to the diet just because of the uh, polyphenols as well as uh, the uh, sulforaphane and such that will help to promote longevity. Uh, but uh, other vegetables uh, that people think are healthy, such as paprika or tomatoes or cucumbers. Those things, they don't have any nutrients that you need. Like, you you will be quite well off without having to eat any tomatoes for the rest of your life, so to say. And uh, you don't necessarily have to be eating uh, all the colors of the rainbow from all the vegetables. Like, that's a myth. Like, the colors of the rainbow do have... It's it's a sign of having some polyphenols and such, but uh, the amount of them isn't that significant compared to some other foods. Such so, but I so yeah, I I like to focus on again more nutrients but less calories. So my focus is on primarily like uh, quality meat as well as uh, these cruciferous vegetables and some additional you know low carb berries, some additional uh, tubers like uh, beetroot maybe and uh, and carrots like sometimes. And some potatoes, those are more nutrient-dense, but they're lower in calories at the same time. In, in Compared to something like, um, let's say, compared to some, some uh, grains or compared to some uh, high-carb fruits or compared to, yeah, like uh, other other foods and such. You, will, you won't be missing out on any of the kind of micronutrients and such if you were to be skipping bananas or if you were to be skipping papaya or grapefruit or or something like that those things <laughs> even from the perspective of of uh, kind of the uh, migration of uh, societies you don't see that all the societies needed to have their banana post-workout all the time like they hunt a mammoth and they have to have a banana to re- refl- replenish their glycogen doesn't happen okay
Mm, I'm starting to wrap up this show as well. It's 45 minutes. And I'm going to pick like a last question. Uh, there might not be a essential carb, but our body prefers to use it as an energy source for several reasons. Yeah, like I'm not saying that you should eat zero, car zero carb for the rest of life. And I do think that carbs have a place and they can be used for definitely performance enhancing effects. And they should be used for metabolic flexibility and they should be used to also uh, bring some variety or to promote diversity in the microbiome and such. But... They sh they're, they're not inherently needed as a staple, so to say. You don't have to be eating them all the time to gain those benefits. Like uh, in, in, in one of our recent podcasts with Menno Henselmans, he said that he mentioned th these studies where people who, uh, you know, exercised in a fasted state, they still replenish the glycogen without having eaten anything after like six hours and such. And compared to other people took like carbs post-workout to replenish the glycogen then the difference wasn't significant at all like at the, the 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 group who took the carbs they replenished their glycogen faster by the hour two but by the hour six the 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 kind of the 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 rate of uh, glycogen resynthesis was basically the same so you don't need to be eating carbs necessarily but it can be uh can be useful in some in some situations and i think if you use it strategically to promote metabolic flexibility and to kind of i don't know speed up the thyroid or to speed up some 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 your performance at the gym with carbs then of course they can be used but they're but they're not like a su they're not inherently gonna be ne necessary so to say but I think, like, if you if you want to be maximizing your potential both physically as well as health-wise, then it is a good idea to to strive for metabolic flexibility and uh, still kind of you know incorporate both both of the uh, the the best of both worlds to still eat vegetables, to still eat meat, to still eat carbs, to still eat fats, but uh, do them specifically based on the time of the day based on uh, your physical conditions and based on your kind of what you're going to do afterwards what you're going to do tomorrow what you did today what you're going to do tomorrow yeah and uh, what are your kind of physical conditions and that you can also learn in my upcoming book <laughs> so stay tuned for that so yeah i i don't i don't think like uh, there is like a very uh, like uh, dogmatic it shouldn't be dogmatic definitely uh okay i that's also gonna be the end of this show like i said keto adaptation and fasting uh you want to become keto adapted instead of striving for maintaining strict ketosis all the time like keto adaptation is better because you will be able to have greater metabolic flexibility but at the same time to reap the benefits of keto adaptation then you need to be going through some uh, periods of eating keto as well as like doing it on a consistent basis you to 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 maintain keto adaptation and to maintain fat adapted then you still need to be eating low carb keto like the majority of time like 70 to 80 percent of the time but yeah that's wrap that wraps up the show thanks for uh, all the questions thanks for all the input thanks for all the super chats and yeah uh, you can uh, stay tuned for the upcoming book I'm going to 
gradually start publishing more videos about it and more podcasts about it specifically around these topics of what kind of pathways promote longevity, what kind of nutrient sensoring and signaling is happening in your cells and how you can kind of structure your your fasting routine around that. All right, that's it for this episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and other social media platforms as well. Also, like I mentioned in the q and I've now put out the Metabolic Autophagy program on my website. The book itself is going to be launched in January, but you can also watch the video seminar that I had in my recent biohacking bootcamp. It's going to talk about the main ideas and how do you practice it. Also, like what type of food to eat to balance these uh, metabolic pathways and such. All the biohacking bootcamp videos are on my Patreon and uh, it also includes the previous biohacking bootcamp I had in uh, July. So there's like almost 10 hours of full content about improving your health and uh, longevity. So if you want to support this podcast then consider becoming a Patreon and uh, check it out. All the links are in the show notes. But other than that, thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay keto adapted, stay empowered. Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind.